Hola Christian! Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a listener of this podcast. I truly appreciate every single one of you and I hope you know that my DMs are open should you ever have feedback or would like to share reflections you may have while listening. In this episode, we will be mentioning topics that may be triggering, so please take a moment to pause this episode if you do not want to hear the list of these topics. The topics mentioned are abortion, miscarriage, SA, and suicide ideation. Please be mindful of this and your own mental health before choosing to continue this episode. The reason I choose to include episodes that speak on these topics is because I think that raw, vulnerable conversations like these are very important, especially for those who may feel alone in what they are going through. Thank you for understanding, and let's go ahead and get started. Hola, you are listening to First Gen Healing, a podcast on Latin next healing and awakening journeys. My name is Priscilla Luna. I am your host and today's guest is Stephanie. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hi everyone. My name is Stephanie. My day job is I work in corporate finance, but then on my free time, I love posting on TikTok and that's how Priscilla and I have connected. Um, And I just post about my life, post about my job. And yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. Oh, and I'm also Salvadoran. Are you the eldest? You have siblings? Like, where are you in your Yeah, yeah. So my family's a little complicated because it's a blended Mm. family. Um, But I am the third out of my siblings from like my parents. And then, but I have a little brother who's like my stepbrother. So there's like four of us in total. And then are both of your parents um, Salvadorian? Yes, both of my parents are Salvadorian, but my stepdad is Cuban. So it's kind of like that added different culture there too. Cool. Did you get to like, did he cook for you at all? Ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, he used to cook so good. Um, And then Mm. we've gone to Cuba, too. So we've been able to like see what it's actually like and everything. So wow that's super cool as you know the podcast is about healing and awakening journeys and like you mentioned i follow you on tiktok i feel like i know you already (laughs) just because yeah you post about your job your relationships and also recently about like anxiety and all of that so wondering if you resonate more with healing or awakening and then we'll go from there yeah so i feel like it's kind of both because I think in order to get on a path of healing, you kind of need to have that awakening moment. You have to have that self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, my healing journey, it's been a long journey, but I feel like I haven't really put in the work until I finally like woke up and was like, hey, I need to make changes. Like I can't just like mm-hmm. keep floating through life. So that's why I would say it's kind of kind of both for me. Mm-hmm. And when do you think those journeys or that journey? Yeah, both of those journeys started for you. Yeah. Um, I think for me, where I actually like really recognize like, hey, I need to like, you know, put in the work to um, work on myself. I think for me was recently, not recently, well, with my last breakup, um, that was kind of, I think, the culmination of all the trauma that I have experienced in my life. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I kind of was just like packing it in, packing it in, being like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then I was in a relationship for five years and then it ended. And for me, that was like devastating because I think, so just to give you guys a little bit of context going back in time, um, I, I grew up in a picture perfect childhood. You know, my parents came here 30 plus years ago from El Salvador, but they started their own business and it was going pretty well for them, you know? And so um, I was in private schools. Like I, it wasn't like a struggle other than like, you do have that first gen struggle where like my parents don't really speak English that very well. So like, and they would work a lot. Um, But then when I was 12, my parents ended up splitting up and it wasn't like, Oh, they split up and like, Hey, co-parenting, you know, every other weekend you see your dad, like my dad just disappeared. Mm. Um, So it went from like my dad being my best friend to him, like literally just disappearing. And then he would like come back every couple months or every couple years and be like, hey, I'm back, like, forgive me, blah, 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 blah. And then he would disappear again. So it, it was constantly like, I feel like abandonment. Um, well, it is abandonment. So it constantly would be like, hey, he would drop me off at school. And then I would go to school and he'd be like, oh, don't worry, I'll pick you up. And then like at the end, like when it was time for him to pick me up, he was nowhere to be he found. Wouldn't, oh, yeah. Wow. And then it would just yeah. be like my mom picking me up and she'd be crying and like, you know, the whole thing. Mm. So 
for me, I think like that's where the trauma like really started. And then I think from there, I found like happiness in relationships, you know? So like mm. that attention that you wanted from your father. I started dating people when I was 14 and I had a boyfriend basically from the year 14 until now, you know? Wow, so I, yeah. I became like a serial dater where I was like, oh, my boyfriend's going to fix my problems or make me feel more secure. And I knew people like throughout my life were like, hey, you should go to therapy. You should go counseling. And I was like, nah, that's for crazy people. Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> then eventually, you know, like in the last relationship that I was in, that was for five years um, towards the end of it. Like, you know, we had our own issues. And then towards the end of it, my my ex-boyfriend was like, I don't want to be in a relationship anymore. And that was like devastating for me. Mm. I was like, no, you can't leave. Like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I actually, at the end of it, also was pregnant and ended up having a miscarriage. Um, so that was even more devastating, right? And wow. yeah. I had a moment where it was, it was the weirdest thing. It was like my body like shut down. Like we went on vacation. I woke up. And I don't know if you know what deja vu is, where the day keeps repeating. Or like you feel mm -hmm. like you had a moment and you repeated it. So like I woke up and I could not, like I felt so out of it, so disassociated I was like, what day is it? I was so confused. I was like, talk, like oh. I was asking my mom, I was like, I don't even know what day it is today. Like, is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? Like, I was so out of it. Mm. Um, and now, like, going through counseling and everything, people are like, my therapists have been like, that's like you disassociating because, like, you just had gone through too much and your body was just trying to protect you. And it said, you know what? We're going to shut down your mind. And after that happened, I was like, scared. I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I like schizophrenic? Am I bipolar? I don't know. So that was the moment where I, I called a therapist and I was like, hi, like, I need mm. help. I don't know what's going on. Um, and that was really like the start of my, like my healing journey and kind of taking back my own power. Yeah. <gasps> okay. You've mentioned a lot. So let me think <laughs> <Yeah>. about, <laughs> let me think about <laughs> where to go. I think one question I have for you is yeah. you mentioned like your your parents splitting up. So I'm going to take you back and then we'll go yeah, through the different yeah. things. Um, I think and I'm wondering like if at any point during those times of your life, anyone sat with you and asked you how you were doing or explained to you Ooh. what was happening and, you know, hey, you might be having some feelings right now. Yeah. You know, there's big things happening in your life. I'm wondering if that ever happened for you. Honestly, that's, I think, where the problem was. I don't know if, if it's just my family, if it's Latino culture, but I feel like it's, we don't talk about things. Like, everybody likes to chambear, but nobody likes to actually, like, deal with things. Or mental health is not something that we talk about. Um, and I know when that was happening, I was 12 years old. So, of mm -hmm. course, I understand my mom was trying to shield me by not telling me that much. But, like, how did my how was my dad in my house one day and disappeared the next you know yeah so yeah. and even so I think that really affected me where I didn't want to talk about it too I, I just shut down mm. you know mm -hmm. and I know like my family is very Christian so like people from the church would come and be like oh we'll pray for you and I'm like yo just leave me alone like I mm. I don't I just I don't know what to do and I didn't know how to handle those emotions yeah um and something that my therapist says now is like, hey, Stephanie, like, yeah, your dad abandoned you, but like your mom also abandoned you emotionally, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, I think that that really did affect me um, because I, nobody talked to me about it. Nobody would tell me what was going on. I just kind of was sitting there like, I don't know what's going on. And yeah. now there's, our family has changed and I just got to figure it out, you know? So. Yeah, your whole life. Yeah, the reason that I ask about that is because I think that that's what I've kind of noticed is similarly, like, looking back, and it's so interesting, because you started off the conversation, like I had a picture perfect childhood, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in a way, we also brush off the things that happened to us, because there was no like, period in time where it was acknowledged that we also went through difficult periods, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, for example, I was thinking back to uh, growing up, like my caretakers or my babysitters, plus. <laughs> I called them like mom and dad, but I also had a mom and dad. So my ba full, like very uh, babysitters that I spent a long time with because mm -hmm. my parents worked a lot. Their daughter, I don't think I've ever mentioned it, but when I came into their lives, like she had lost, started to lose the ability to walk. Like she mm. was like in the stage where she could walk, but she started falling. Mm. And so as a child, I was like four. 
this didn't happen like this remembering didn't happen until I went to therapy and started like remembering stuff mm-hmm. but now like one of my most triggering memories is remembering her falling in the shower mm. and like her mom coming and screaming and me like witnessing and you know and her mom yeah. didn't drive so it was like this big thing of like it was the beginning of something big for them you know yeah um but thinking back no one ever sat me down and was like hey you're witnessing some hard stuff you know like you're being a part of some big stuff so now I think I'm like curious like I wonder if anyone did get that type of conversation like in their families but yeah yeah, I I think you're right I think it's not just your family like it's probably uh (laughs) yeah like a (laughs) I don't know of a community-wide thing but (laughs) yeah yeah it's I think The way that people get through a lot of hard stuff maybe is by not talking about it. I feel like sometimes people, like the adults in the room think, hey, we're protecting them by not saying anything. But it's like, you're not protecting us by not saying anything because then we have these emotions, these traumas that we don't know how to handle and like trauma really affects you. And it's, you know, that happened when I was 12 and now I'm 26, 14 years later, I'm still like dealing with it. So yeah, and processing. And I think you mentioned another really interesting thing that I've been learning about too, which is it's easier to pinpoint the parent that maybe was absent or like kind of stands out more, right? So in this instance, your dad. But it's super interesting that like, in a way, and I think it's not like a blame game. It's more like an understanding, right? Yeah. Like, what? why do I feel this way? But in a way, like your therapist saying your mom also in, kind of abandoned you emotionally, mm-hmm. let's say. Yeah. Um, that's such an interesting subject, I think, right? Like, yeah, because we don't think of it that way. It's like, no, my mom did everything for me. She <laughs> stayed. She provided. How have you maybe processed that? Like, you know, because I'm assuming you're closer with your mom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) me and my mom are super close. Um, And it comes with, you know, my parents splitting. It comes with being first gen and her not speaking perfect English, you know, translating the documents, making the appointments, making the calls. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But how do I process, like, for me, when the, my therapist told me that, because me and my mom are very close, but we also like kind of butt heads sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when she said that to me, because sometimes I feel like not heard by my mom, like I feel like she just kind of like, you know, I don't know, it's like weird. And when my therapist said that to me, I was just like, that is so mind blowing because it's so true. Like I was young and now as an adult, I definitely have a lot more sympathy for my mom because like for example I went through this breakup and everything and I felt heartbroken got depressed so I can only imagine after a 20-year marriage Mm -hmm. your husband walking out leaving you with three kids and leaving you with a business and leaving you with like you know we went to private school so my mom had to pay her tuition you know so like leaving her with everything so I can only imagine how hard that was for her so I think now I sympathize a little bit more um But I also think that me and her have a lot to like work through when it comes to sometimes, I don't know how to say it. Like, I think we have a lot to work through with her recognizing her own faults and just, I guess, like not being emotionally unavailable or like victimizing herself. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like it's kind of surface level in a way with her? We're deep, but I feel like getting her to understand mental health is very difficult. So when Mm. I first started going to therapy, she was like, what, why are you going to therapy? She's like, that's crazy. And again, like we, I come from a Christian household. All you need to do is pray. Um, and for her, it was really hard to accept it, but she has seen how much it has helped me. And now even she has been like, you know what, maybe I need to go to therapy. And I'm like, yeah, mom. So, (laughs) wow. Yeah. Ooh, super interesting. Yeah, I had a um like a healing session with someone and it was like to get to the like the root of certain stuff mm. and it was intense. Um <laughs> cuz it's like energy work, but that's what came from it. It's because like in my instance, it's very easy to pinpoint like um in my instance my mom was the breadwinner and my dad wasn't mm-hmm. and she was kind of like the dad in a way. She was really strict. And I felt like 
my dad was the nurturer right so like he kind of provided safety ish mm-hmm. um he was like nicer <laughs> let's say yeah. growing up and she like the healer pointed out or we got to the bottom of in a way you, you don't not only see feel not seen by your mother but also your father because he didn't mm-hmm. defend you right like mm-hmm. he didn't stand up for you he didn't like help you process or anything so in that like there's also that like unspoken abandonment let's say Mm -hmm. even though you feel like he's closer to you or was closer to you in that time and so yeah super interesting that you kind of have also come across a similar um, breakthrough I guess yeah it's so interesting because it's the same kind of dynamic my mom was always and she still is very headstrong always the leader you know she's she's like that girl boss you know she's been running this business for 20 years um, and my dad was a lot more the nurturer. He was the one who would take us to school, make us pancakes in the morning, cook. Yeah, my too. mom never cooked. <laughs> you know? Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. the dynamic is very, very interesting. Um, but yeah, I can mm-hmm. definitely relate to that. I think, you know, what one thing that maybe we can talk about a little bit and you can yeah. tell me what you think about is one thing I've been thinking about is the more I go into my healing journey and I realize how hard it is to process and face things. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I want my parents to go to therapy, I like abandon that struggle. I let I let them not go. You know, I was like, OK, I'm going to heal myself. But I, of course, <laughs> in the back of my head, I'm always like, oh, I wish they did. But to yeah. be honest, I feel like. I wonder if unearthing all of these really hard things that they went through, like, would make them different in a negative way, you know, or would, like, somehow, like, not help them, you know? Because I I think, I don't know, I guess sometimes I think maybe what I've gone through is not as hard as with they've gone through and so maybe that's why it's a bit easier for me to, like, look in the direction of my pain as opposed to them. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I'm a bit big advocate. I think everybody needs to go to therapy. And like, even though like, for example, I didn't have to go with through what my parents did, like, they crossed the border, my, my dad dropped out of school when he was in middle school, and then he crossed the border here. And then he would go back in the day it was easier, right? So he would go back mm-hmm. and forth between the states and El Salvador. And then eventually my mom came and like, even when she tells me the story of her crossing the border, like it's she like cries, you know, because it was very traumatizing for her. But I, I, I just think that they have, I think they would be better people if they were able to uncover, like, I think they would just have more power over their life, you know, if they were Mm. able to uncover a lot of the traumas and things that they've gone through, because instead, they just say, oh, well, like, we got to work, you know, like, my mom works all the time, you know, and instead of doing self care, and like, like, she, my sister got her, um, uh, like a spa certificate so she could go to the spa and my mom's like oh I don't have time for that (laughs) oh my god (laughs) dude it's so funny the similarities because yeah me too I bought my I've bought in my mom massage like gift cards like when I go visit her I'm like mom give them to me (laughs) I know like literally my mom because I love traveling and my mom used to give me the side eye because she'd be like you're wasting too much money why are you doing that and my mom's like, oh, siempre te vas en viaje y nunca me vas a llevar. I'm like, even if I wanted to take you, like I have offered to take her before. She's just like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. I got to work, you know, mm, so. Yeah. So you then mentioned something super cool, which is taking back my power. Mm. And that's kind of like I I. I want to coin the term inner poder, you know, that's yeah. kind of what I mentioned. I'm like, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So, and I feel like that's the juiciest part of even like what I've been doing and coaching and stuff. It's like, man, when people reach the point where they understand what that feels like in, in, in them or like within their world, yeah. it can shift so much. Yeah. So maybe can you walk me through like, what this last year or like couple of years have been like, like maybe has there been different stages of it or how has it like felt? Yeah. So I think for me right now, like I said, taking back my power has been so important because like I said, my dad left, um, you know, when I was younger, I was 
sexually abused and all those mm-hmm. things like this is the first time me actually saying that out loud like I've told like maybe two or three people but this is like me saying it on a platform so that's kind of crazy I got Bell's palsy where half of my face was paralyzed so it, it felt like I never could catch a break and I always mm-hmm. felt like oh this person hurt me that person hurt me this is why I'm this way that's why I'm that way which it does affect you but something that I like to say is I think that by me trying to control everything Instead of me controlling everything, I was allowing everything to control me. Mm. Um, And so with this past relationship, I think was the last, the really big culmination of everything. Um, Unfortunately, it was a little toxic. And like I said, both people in the relationship had wrong. Like I was wrong. He was wrong. So I don't like to put the blame on anybody. But there was a lot of gaslighting, a lot of me starting to feel stir crazy where I was like, no, like, like, am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Mm. And I felt like I just lost my power and I lost my voice. Um, And even like at the end of it, I just felt I remember when the breakup happened, when I miscarried and everything I just felt so numb and so empty. And like, I just felt like devastated and like I was in a hole. And being in such a low point is something that I never, ever want to go through. Like, I never want to allow anybody else to have control over me. And I don't want anybody to be able to affect me to that point that I feel depressed or even like have suicidal ideations. Like, it's not worth it. You know, like when I was in the moment, I was like, oh, like worth is like life is worthless. And, you know, I felt like, I felt like by losing one individual, like my life was over. But now that it's been like over a year and, you know, life has moved on, I'm just like, Stephanie, never allow that to happen. Because I think that now by taking back my own power, taking back my voice, having boundaries, having self-respect, now I feel kind of, kind of like a superhero in the sense that nobody (laughs) can affect me. Like if something happens to me, it's because I allow it, you know, it's not because I'm allowing this person to tell me that I don't have a voice or that I can't speak or, you know, so that's why I think for me taking back my power was really important because I felt in that past relationship that I had, I didn't like my voice didn't matter. And as much as I would say things or say like, Hey, you should change this or you should change that. Or maybe we should do this. Like I was always just kind of put down. So I think Mm -hmm. that's why uh, getting my voice back was really important. Yeah. So unfortunate that some of us have to really get to like that rock bottom, right? Like where it's kind of like you lose sense of yourself, of Mm -hmm. your world. Um, How did you, uh, was it kind of just through therapy? Was that the main like piece of the puzzle for you to start like reclaiming your voice? Or was there other aspects that you also changed in, in the midst of it? Um, I think for me was mainly therapy is really what helped giving help gave me like coping mechanisms, helped me redefine how I saw myself because my self esteem Mm. was literally zero. Like, I was like, how could my ex leave me like we were together for five years, we're supposed to get married, like, Mm -hmm. and then when they are like, No, I don't want to be with you. um, You know, and then they go off and do whatever they want to do. Then you just you, you think like, wow, like I'm not good enough. Like I wasn't Mm. enough, you know, like why, like now they want to change. Oh, now they want to be a better person, but why, why didn't they want to be a better person for me? You know? Um, so I think therapy really helped me identify those fake value, like fake core beliefs that I had about myself. Like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not cool. I'm not this, I'm not that. And it's like, no, you are good enough. You are cool. (laughs) um like you are you are everything that you want to be you know and that's really what helped me gain my like voice back and even like to to this day I still like I feel a lot more powerful but there's days where I have to like go stand in front of the mirror and be like Stephanie you're pretty Stephanie you're this you know like Mm -hmm. have to like go give myself affirmations um but I think therapy is really what what helped me discover that oh wow super powerful I think like that journey is so beautiful. Like you said, you kind of feel like a superhero (laughs) because (laughs) I think you gain something that maybe we didn't have, like we probably had access to our whole lives. We were just never taught how Mm -hmm. to tap in, right? Into that piece of us. Yeah, yeah. I think just having control 
um, because I used to feel so out of control. When I first started therapy, that's what I used to tell them. I'd be like, I feel out of control. Like, I feel like I don't have control over my life. I don't know what to do. I don't like, you know, um, and I think just getting that control back has made me be in such a better place. Yeah. And would you say that it took you facing the things that you went through to get that control back or were you able to bypass them and still get it back? Uh, I, you know, a lot of the things I went through were pretty painful and honestly, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I do think that life is a journey. And if you don't go through those lows, then you'll never like experience the highs. So I do think that I had to go through that and I had to get to like literal zero, not have, like, I had to, I had to be in a hole to figure out like, Hey, I need to get out of this, you know, or not. Mm -hmm. Then I would have passively just gone through life probably and never seeked help or, or looked to heal myself or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's always such a, like, I don't know. I think it's always a question in my mind because when you get into like spirituality and mindset and stuff, mm -hmm. it's kind of like that saying of everything happens for a reason. Right. Yeah. But then yeah. when I start learning about all of the really difficult things that people had to go through, it, it just, it's, it's so much harder to say that in my opinion, yeah. you know, like, no, it is. yeah. Like how could it be for a reason? These are things that are just seem, I don't know, cruel, you know? Yeah. Um, but it always surprises me that most of the people that I speak to that have gone through really difficult things as some of the ones you've mentioned, they in a sense find in it in them to like reframe what they've gone through, mm -hmm. you know, and find strength in that. And yeah. I think that's so powerful and beautiful. And it's just like, I don't know, it, it breaks my heart wide open. Cause I'm like, wow, like, yeah, it's, it must yeah. be so, I don't know. It's a lot of emotions I'm assuming. Yeah. I, and I, I do think that one thing is important is reframing. Um, but then too, like, for example, when I miscarried and the reaction that my ex had during that time and how he handled the situation opened my eyes. Because if that would have mm. never happened, I probably would have still been like begging for him back, <laughs> you know? Mm, yeah, but with yeah. me going through that situation and him not being there for me, it opened my eyes to be like, Stephanie, he's, he's not going to be there for you. Like, in the future when something worse happens like is yeah. is he going to be there for you so I I do also kind of think that I do say everything happens for a reason because I know if that wouldn't have happened I probably would have just have stuck around you know trying to make mm -hmm. things work yeah yeah and through therapy like were you did you have to process each of the things or is it like more forward-facing because I think everyone has a different journey with therapy yeah but for example, one of the things that my mom always says is like, pero yo no quiero pensar en esas cosas, you know, like, yo no quiero, like, yeah. the way I explain it to her, it's like, mom, es como si tienes, like, una bolsa de basura, right, uh -huh. y la escondes en tu closet, and you're like, no, no huele, ahí no va a oler, you know, and I'm like, but the house stinks, <laughs> and then I was like so therapy will help you like take out the bag look at what's yeah. in there throw it away you know mm -hmm. and she's like you don't get away esas cosas mm -hmm. so I'm wondering like for you like do you see did you have to kind of take out the bag to look at what's there and move forward or were you mm -hmm. able to just bypass no I definitely and even still to this day we're still unpacking a lot mm -hmm. um and I think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it seem like therapy's all dandelions and butterflies because there's plenty of days I have skipped some weeks there's days where I just get anxious and I'm like I don't want to talk about this you know mm. like I don't want to open it up um yeah. but yeah I'd, I've had to unpack every single thing and we're still not done <laughs> we're still working on it but I I do think that it's important to at least dig into all of those things because I think it, it just I know I know I post about it and I'm just such a big advocate for it because I used to just like struggle in relationships struggle with friendships and I'd be like why is this so out of control like why do mm. I make like a really good friend and then I lose that friendship um but I just I just love how therapy has opened up my mind to see how I interact with other people how they might perceive how I am and they just you know, maybe I'm a very blunt person and maybe being very blunt is not good, you know, and I can't just live mm -hmm. the, my whole life being like, no, no, I want to do what I want to do. So I just as much as therapy sometimes can be hard to unpack everything, but I do think it's very helpful. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing because I think it's important for some people that may be on the cusp of like, should I go or not or yeah. what, you know, like I think it, it is not, I don't know if it's easier, but it's likely like more comfortable to be like, no, that's for crazy people. No, <laughs> that's not going to help me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, I think like when you're willing to face it, I mean, the gift is your voice. The gift is your power at exactly. the end of the day. And that's so, so powerful. And let me see, uh, what direction should we go here? (laughs) Let's see. I think first, just I just want to thank you for like mentioning some of the really hard stuff. And I know you've also been opening up to that on social media. Mm -hmm. How has that been for you? Like, has that been what you expected it to be, maybe? Or did you not have any expectations? Um. For me, opening up on social media can it, it can be difficult. Um, I do feel like I am a little bit more of an open book type of person, but at the same time, I do know it's not just strangers who follow me. It's there's family mm. members, there's friends, and by me opening up, I'm sure some of them are sharing them and talking over there about it, you know, and and sometimes I do worry because I don't want. I guess sometimes I don't want to disappoint people and be like, wait, hold up, what happened? You know, like I said, Mm -hmm. I come from a very Christian, Christian community. Oh, you were pregnant? What? What were you doing? You know, Mm -hmm. like you're not supposed to be doing that, you know? And I know that when it all happened, my mom was like, we're not going to tell anybody. We're keeping this quiet. You know, we're not talking about it. But I know for me, all of that journey, everything that I've gone through brought me to such a low point where if I'm being really honest, if I got zero help, I, and I say this very genuinely, I don't know if I would be still be on this earth. Cause I was very, very depressed. And like, yeah. I really thought like the best option was like, out. I was just like, I don't want to wake up. And I was like, Oh, the wow. best option for me, for me to not be here anymore. And after going through all of that, if my story will help somebody or help somebody to not make a decision like that, then I think it's worth it. And I don't care if somebody judges me or thinks, Oh, look at what Stephanie, Stephanie did or whatever. Like, I don't care. Um, I think it's important because life is hard. And you know, on social media, we all like to be like, get ready with me or like, this is my day. And like today I did an aesthetics oatmeal and with a straw, like, no, <laughs> like literally I roll out of bed. <laughs> like that's why I don't even do day in my life because it's not aesthetic and it is hard. And we are so used to being on social media and seeing everything be picture perfect, but it's not. And people yeah. are really struggling. And I know for me, it's not that I was alone. I had friends and family but I started to isolate myself more and more and more. And so I thought I was alone. Yeah. Um, and even with posting like the response and like, I get DMS of people telling me the hard things that they're going through. And like, I had one individual reach out and be like, I put up a video on YouTube about my miscarriage. And she was like, Hey, like I just went like, literally her story was identical. She had a miscarriage around the same time. Um, and she kind of had the same situation happen to her. Her boyfriend left all of this stuff. And she was just saying how much she's struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I think for me, it was nerve wracking, but I think that it's helping somebody out there. And I think that's important. And I think you mentioned judgment a couple of times. And that's one of the things that frustrates me because I'm like, (laughs) man, people are struggling. And the first thing they receive from family, usually not friends, is Mm -hmm. judgment. Yeah. Like how it, it just makes me mad because like you're at your lowest point or at a low point and your family's worried about your reputation or yeah. their reputation. And I feel like when I was at my rock bottom, I, like you said, I kind of started isolating myself and it was kind of just like me in my, uh, my apartment. Yeah. Um, and the crazy thing is, I feel like probably you and I looked from the outside in like nothing was wrong yeah. in terms of like good career. Right. And just like, <laughs> look, well, and it's like, oh, they're doing great. Um, which that's kind of scary too. Like, I think that scared me too. Like no one really knows, you know, and yeah. And that's probably likely for some people out there too. And, um, what was kind of upsetting to me, but it, it does give you your power is like in my lowest lows, my mom was still providing criticism of like what she thought I wasn't the expectations I was in meeting that she wanted. Right. Like you don't hang out with me enough. You're not like yourself. You're not, but it wasn't like, 
empathy like hey yeah. what the heck is going on it was more like upsetness anger you know mm-hmm. while you can't take any more of that like you're kind of at your wit's end yeah. um so I think that's crazy that like you and I, a lot of people that I speak with that's what happens like it's kind of like instead of getting support we get judgment or kind of mm-hmm. we feel like well let me hide this from them too because I don't want yeah. you know their I don't want to bother them they might be like, okay, she's still sad, like, get over it, mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely agree. And, like, my my family has been very supportive, but I think you just get into your mind and you just start to isolate yourself and you be like, oh, you start to tell yourself, like, oh, they don't, you know, they think bad of me, they, or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Like, my mom, <laughs> the other day, she was like, she's like, Stephanie, you've been really well, you've been doing really well this week. You're not sad at all. That's good. Keep it up, you know? And I know she means it in the best way, but sometimes I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I I definitely get you on that. I think that's the hard part of like, that's where the lack of like maybe emotional immaturity on the part of our families, that's where it hurts us most because they don't know how to deal with people going through that. Um, even like so i know you've been talking too about anxiety and depression and Mm -hmm. i think um like at least for me at my rock bottom i didn't want to go out i didn't want to like see people i didn't start Mm -hmm. going to family things Mm -hmm. and again instead of kind of like worrying it was more like well it's their birthday why aren't you gonna go for their birthday they're your padrinos or you know whatever there was like always a a reason to make me feel bad not Mm -hmm. like support like, did you have to deal with that uh, in your journey? Um, I think it was more probably from friends versus family. Mm, okay. So my my mom, like I said, she's very supportive. And God bless her heart because sometimes I do get super, like, anxious. And then I get in these moods and I'm, like, super sad. And then I, like, lash out at people. And my mom, literally, she's just like, oh, she's just upset. She'll come around, you know? Like, so my mom doesn't really, like, say anything. Um, but I would say more from friends. Um, I think I, I dealt with a lot of anxiety, especially after college, because I was very, you know, school oriented. I loved school. So Mm. I I went to school, I got my college degree, then I did my master. So I always had the next step. And then when that ended and it was like, okay, now you got to figure it out. I was like, oh my gosh. And then like, just coming back home, you know, you go from, you go, I went away to college. So then when I came back home, it was like, okay, I don't really have friends here. Now I need to remake friends. And like all of that, just the social anxiety and everything just started to build up. And for me, um, a lot of the times my ex was the one who would calm me down. Like he was the one who would control my anxiety. You know what Mm. I mean? So it kind of becomes like an addiction and like a drug where he, I need him to make me feel okay. So Mm. that's why for me, the breakup was so devastating because I was like, I'm anxious now. And I like for five years, you've calmed me down and now you're not there anymore. So what do I do? Um, And that started to, I feel like bleed into my friendships and it not, I think it did bleed into my friendships where I would be anxious or depressed and I didn't want to go out, you know, like my friends would Mm -hmm. be like, let's go out. Let's it's the weekend, blah, blah, blah. Like come meet us. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to. And instead Mm -hmm. of like trying to seek community, I would just isolate myself more and more. And sometimes it's not that friends friends mean to do this, but they're just like, why she why she doesn't want to go out? Like why is she doesn't, yeah. why doesn't she want to do this? Why is she being moody? Why is you know, and friends aren't family. Families will forgive you for everything, but friends will be like, Okay, all right, we're not friends anymore. You know? Mm. And I did lose friendships like years the years after college and now. I lost friendships with people where I would act out or like my depression would be too much and then people they didn't know I was depressed because it's not like I was telling them, you know, I yeah. would just act very like, like this to them, you know? Mm. Um, and so I did lose a lot of friends. So I feel like that's kind of where I saw that where people didn't have empathy, but it's not because it wasn't like, Oh, she's depressed. I don't want to be her friend. It's more like right. I isolated myself and they just didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't think mo- most uh, people are doing it out of ill will. <laughs> I don't know about your ex, but <laughs> I mean, honestly, even him, I don't know. I feel like people are really stuck in their own trauma, right? And they're just yeah. acting out and living out like their own kind of story. And and but. I also would like to say that 
it was never his responsibility to take care of my trauma or my anxiety. You know what mm, I mean? So yeah. a lot of the times I would lash out, I would get crazy, I would get upset, I would be nagging, I'd be like mad at him. And he'd be like, why are you starting another fight? You know, so mm. I also say it's not other people's responsibilities to like, I needed to deal with that on my own. Yeah, yeah. I think also something worth mentioning is um, when you start to heal, you see that you're the common denominator in all aspects of your life, right? <laughs> yes. Speaking about, because I think you mentioned like your journey has been um, just recognizing that at some point you kind of had like the victim mentality or it was kind of life is happening to me. Yeah. Um, I think that powerful switch of recognizing like, likely, yes, there's an aspect of that, but also we're the common denominator <laughs> in every aspect. And yeah. so whatever we like, you can call it a vibe, you can call it a trauma, whatever, whatever we put out is like also part of what we get back, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 Have you seen it now translate now that you are doing the work? Let's say how has that translated in the other aspects? Yeah. So I think for me, a big issue was I had like issues with boundaries or like, um, I'm a very anxious attachment style. So if like you were my friend and you were like, Hey, you made plans with me and then you canceled, I'd be like, well, they don't, they don't like me. Or maybe they think I'm weird. Or like, mm -hmm. I would make up these scenarios in my head and then I would shut down to protect myself and then push friends away because I'm like, Oh, if I push them away, they can't hurt me. I think for me, my relationship, so I do have a new boyfriend <laughs> now, um, and I, I have been reconnecting with my friends and my family, and I think now that I realize, hey, there's things that I did wrong, or like, there's insecurities that I had that caused me to act out, or, you know, that type of stuff, I feel like now I can connect with my friends a lot better because I'm not making these assumptions of, oh, they, they don't like me or they said this mm -hmm. one thing. Or even with my boyfriend, I'm not picking fights because I'm just like, start, you know, being like, oh, why didn't you hold the door for me? You know, like those crazy things where I'm just like, Stephanie, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm just a lot more self-aware of mm -hmm. myself. And hey, if somebody does something, guess what? It's not going to affect me. Like, yes, of course, things affect you. You get a little sad here and there, but it's not going to affect me to the point where you're going to go berserk and act out and, you know, do things that are unlogical. So I definitely think that it just has brought a lot more happiness back into my life. Yeah. yeah. Does, did it like ever impact your work going Ooh. through these phases? Ooh. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So I worked at a place for three years. That place was great. I loved the job. It was great. Um, and then I ended up moving to New York City because I, my ex-boyfriend is a, from New York City. I moved up to New York and I started working at a company. Um, and it, it, one, I, when I was there, I had the miscarriage and I literally just couldn't mm. work. Like the thing is, I didn't realize that that's something, not that you have to share with people, but people would understand Instead, I just kept it to myself and that really affected my performance. And my boss would be like, why isn't like, why aren't you following up on stuff? Like, why aren't you completing stuff? And then that created this weird relationship between me and my boss where she didn't trust me because of course I wasn't getting stuff done. So then she was like micromanagement, you know, mm, and then yeah. I absolutely did not like working there anymore because, you know, eventually when I was able to get on my feet again, at this point, they already think like, yo, this girl sucks, <laughs> mm, <laughs> you know, wow. um, yeah. So I definitely think it affected me work-wise. Now I feel so much more motivated to work, you know, like it's hard or you work from home. Sometimes you want to be lazy, but I do feel a lot more motivated, a lot more excited and not, um, I think just like depression, anxiety and all that could really affect the workplace. Yeah. Oof. I don't know if you know, but I actually left. So I come from like an HR background. That was okay. my corporate corporate life. And, <laughs> and I did that for eight years. Wow. And I disliked how in HR, sometimes you had to disregard people's real true lives. Yeah, you know, to be honest. There are policies that like, for example, bereavement leave or FMLA, different types types of mm -hmm. things like that but for example when we went through the pandemic um 
people were passing away, right? And we would get calls of like, hey, my whatever, like close relative felt like my son, my father, my like that. It was kind of like this crazy thing. And what was crazier to me is that it was kind of like, okay, you have three days and then you're expected to come back to work. Mm -hmm. And like even just hearing your story, like, of course, there's going to be performance issues. Like, of course, you know, there's big stuff happening. And I bet like, even as understanding as sometimes managers could be like, there's kind of like, well, we need to get, we need to get this project done. We need to, you know, there's deadlines and stuff. And so I hated how like transactional, you know, that life kind of can get in, in the corporate world. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, like when I left that job, um, they wanted to do an exit interview. So then I was like, okay, I'll do an exit interview. And they were like, Hey, what can we do better? Like, why are you leaving? And I was like, honestly, me and my manager didn't really like, I don't feel like we clicked very well. And they're like, why? And of course, I wasn't going to say oh, I was depressed and blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, oh, like, I don't feel like, and I honestly, I don't feel like I received proper training or like onboarding. So that just kind of snowballed into like me not knowing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I told the lady that and I was like, yeah, you know, I don't feel like there's enough training. She was like, what do you mean? And I was like, they didn't really like, like teach me very well and then she's like so you needed more hand holding and I was like no (laughs) I was like I needed to be able to ask questions and not be yelled at that's what I needed but it's it's definitely crazy in corporate sometimes (laughs) I don't miss it I don't miss it at all (laughs) (laughs) oh exit interviews were like for, for me, like the dumbest thing to do, like, why are yeah. we doing this? You know, and managers, mm. HR managers love to be like, you guys, we need to do an exit interview for every single person. And I'm like, you know, our company is shitty. So stop <laughs> asking me to ask people if our company is shitty. Like, what the <laughs> So annoying. Yeah. Oh, man. That's but funny. anyways, back to <laughs> back to you. <laughs> So what was like your support system? So we've talked about how sometimes friends and family aren't, not all of the people know how to deal with what we're going through. Yeah. But like maybe what did hold you? Like once you took that first step to seek help, what was your support system like? Or what like helped get you through each day? Because those times I think are really hard. Yeah. So I think it was a combination of things. Um, Like I said, my mom was a little not on board at the beginning, but then when she started to see how it was helping me, and I think when she saw, because she was there when I was disassociating that bad for that whole Mm. week, I think she got scared and she was like, okay. So I think my mom was like, my mom, my family, they were really good support systems. Um, And then like my current boyfriend now um, is also, he's, he's literally amazing he is so kind. <laughs> He's it. I give him props because if I'm being really honest, I moved on a little too fast. Like mm-hmm. we broke up. I broke up with my ex. It was like a couple months and I already was in another relationship. And I'm being honest, it was it was too fast. But and so I had so much trauma and so much pain that I was dealing with. Yeah. But he was so supportive through all of it. And he he always was like validating my feelings and telling me like, hey, like, what you feel is okay. I think definitely all of that combined was a really great support system for me. And then for me, I also recently just have been like reconnecting a lot with my faith. Basically, my therapist told me that I need to ground myself not in other people, but in myself and things that are never going to change. So for me, it's like, okay, I ground myself in myself and I ground myself in my faith. And that's like what helps like me think that when everything's going crazy at least I have that my mom's a very devout Christian and sometimes she was like pushing it down my throat like Mm. Stephanie just pray you need to do this you need to do that like she says her dream is to see all of us go to church with her you know Mm. um so sometimes I feel like that actually repelled me like where I was like I don't want to go like I don't I've been going my whole life now I don't want to um but I think every person has their own faith journey whatever they end up believing in but I think if you do find faith, I do feel like it just helps you. It, it just, at least for me, it just has helped me to really just kind of feel at peace and know that whatever happens, like it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it it allows, I think I like to see it like co-creative in a way, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like not all on me and not all on faith. Like it's kind of both. Exactly. Yeah. So with that being said, how are you currently doing? I don't usually ask that, but I guess, you know, speaking about (laughs) how are you currently feeling? Yeah, I honestly, I can say I am feeling really good. And I'm not even saying that to be like, oh, I got to act good right now. Like, no, I am feeling really empowered. I'm feeling merciful towards myself in the sense like I'm allowed to give myself grace. Hey, not every day is going to be perfect. Some days things are still going to be sad. You know, like if I need to cry about something, I can go into the room and cry about it. But I'm not going to allow that to affect the rest of my day. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I feel really powerful right now. I feel really good, and I just, ooh, it's crazy to say I feel happy, which um, mm. I feel like I haven't been able to say that in a while. So I'm very thankful uh, that at least right now I'm really good. Yeah. Oh, that makes me happy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so so much for sharing all of that. And I'm gonna ask uh, you to share like where people can follow you, oh, especially yeah. now they know kind of like the bird's eye view of the journey. But I yeah. know you've been you know be like been very open in your social media about like more of the details and the timelines and all of that. So yeah, where can people continue to follow your journey? So you can follow me on TikTok, where I'm most active at. They call me Stephanie ninety six. That's also the same username on Instagram. And then I also have a YouTube channel, which is They Call Me Stephanie. So Mm. you can find me on all three platforms there. Beautiful. And just to recap, you share about like, what are the things that you share about? Um, Yeah, so... (laughs) This might sound a little self-centered, but the niche of me. Uh, but <laughs> No, I just really share about so many different things that I've gone through, like Bell's palsy. I have Sjogren's syndrome, working in corporate finance as the first gen um, and just kind of my life. So I just really like I try to keep it as authentic as I can and just share everything that kind of goes on. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'll also leave your information in the description. Um, So the next section is the resources section. Uh And um, the point of it is for people that maybe follow your story and resonate with certain aspects of it are like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, what are the things that helped you in addition to therapy? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So our first question here is what is your favorite healing or mindful tool? Yeah. So for me, I think a great tool is journaling. And why I like journaling a lot is because you can literally put your thoughts on paper and look at it and be like, hey, is this logical or is it not? And also just getting your feelings out on paper has been really great for me. So I really do enjoy journaling. What is a habit that you do for yourself every single day? Ooh, you know, I'm really bad at habits and doing things consistently, but I will say that what I try to do at least is wake up, look in the mirror and do like self affirmations and tell myself what I should believe about myself and Mm. not and like kind of defunking the false things that I've made myself believe through my life. What is a favorite song to listen to when you need like a pick me up or to feel inspired? Hmm. So for me, I would say it is a Christian song. It's called It Is Well. I don't know if it's I don't know who sings it. But it's just talking about, like, I'm okay, you know? Um, mm. So for me, that song, just whenever I kind of need to pick me up or need to be, like, grounded, I'll, I'll put that song on. Mm. Favorite quote or advice that you may refer back to? The best advice that I've probably learned, even through therapy, is just um, accepting. Like, it's called radical acceptance. So... It's kind of like when something happens or if something makes you upset and you keep thinking about it, you keep thinking about it, it's just saying, hey, like acknowledge your feelings, saying, hey, you know, this makes me sad or, or whatever. And then say, but I accept that blah, 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 blah has happened and I'm going to be okay. So mm-hmm. I, I find myself using that a lot. So when things, when I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my dad left when I was 12. Hey, it hurts. It was painful, but I accept that he's left and it's okay. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a self-soothing tool um, yeah. that I like to use. Influencer that you follow that leaves you feeling positively inspired. 
Mm. I really like, uh, I think her name is Unbreakable Latina. So she talks a lot about like her first gen journey and everything. And I just like to hear like she'll bring in like, uh, she'll bring in guests and stuff and just to hear their journeys. I like to hear of other first gen people because I know for me, I grew up, like I said, I went to private school. So during the day, I grew up a very uh, a very Caucasian lifestyle. <laughs> and then, you know, on the weekends, I was going to my Spanish church. So it was a very like double mm. life. Um, yeah. And I didn't realize that there's so many other people out there that have the same experience as me. Um, so I, I really enjoy listening to her podcast. A feel good or powerful book or movie. Ooh, so the latest book that I'm not a reader, I, I, <laughs> I, as you can tell, I love TikTok because I love to watch videos. <laughs> but um, one book that I am reading right now, and it's not necessarily feel good, but it's been very powerful for me, is called The Body Keeps Score. And mm-hmm. so this book basically talks about how trauma affects the body, not only emotionally, but also physically, and how it can cause sickness and everything. And just, I think it's just so powerful because it brings, it makes you so aware you know, aware of not only how trauma can affect you, like in your feelings, but also like how it physically affects your brain. And so, you know, sometimes when you feel out of control and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I acting like this? Like, no, your brain is literally functioning different because the trauma has affected it. So I think um, that that book has really uh, helped me and I've been really enjoying it so far. Mm. super powerful i actually i was going to mention that in the beginning where you mentioned disassociation i forgot Mm. but yeah it's so powerful how your body truly like shows you something's up something has to change you know and for you it was like a very physical um experience i think of like holy yeah like something's happening exactly i have one last one it's fun questions (laughs) so do you eat salsa i i I don't really like tomatoes like that. If I'm okay. being really honest, and I don't okay. like spicy things. So. Yeah, see, that's why I'm like, okay, I need to switch it up because this is too like it's very Mexican oriented. Because <laughs> my next one is horchata or Jamaica. Uh, you know, you're gonna think I'm weird. I don't like horchata, and recently I tried Jamaica for the first time, and honestly, I thought it was okay. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm just like really you when it comes to drinks. Like okay. I like. I like like um, acidic drinks like lemonade, orange juice. Like that's my vibe. <laughs> mm, interesting. What about Bad Bunny Ooh. or Daddy Yankee? Oh, Bad Bunny. <laughs> I really I went to his concert last year and it was amazing. Mm. It was good. Dude, the energy at the concerts is crazy, huh? It was crazy. Like I went, I was in the, the playa section. So I was in the second mm. row and mm-hmm. it was just the night of my like the best night of my life <laughs> wow so yeah, it was cool. really good concha well do you eat conchas uh, i think either i think i've had them see these were supposed to be controversial but if you don't really like these things <laughs> I'm a very what about eater. pupusa oh i love pupusa, pupusa de frijol <laughs> or revuelta is that controversial <laughs> You know, you could. You could say pupusa de queso, de frijol, de revuelta. And I would say I'm a revuelta girl. Give me all three flavors at once. Mm, okay, okay. So, yeah. See, we we customize these questions. <laughs> the next one is what's your taco order? But we can do what's your pupusa order? Pupusa revuelta without loroco. I hate loroco, so don't mm, put that in there. What's loroco? It's like this green vegetable that they put in there. Oh yes, and this is this is controversial, but I do not like um, what's the 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 curtido? Oh, I hate curtido. (gasps) Get that out of here. (laughs) That is controversial. Even I'm like, (laughs) what about the just the (laughs) salad? It's gonna come out on this. Stephanie does not like curtido. That's gonna be my thumbnail. (laughs) I don't know if you saw. I posted a while ago. I posted a video of how to eat a pupusa. Mm. And literally everybody ripped me a new one because they were like, that's not how you eat it. And literally I'm not Salvadorian anymore. So Okay, so how many? Oh, we need quantities here. I would say I would probably eat minimum three, max five. I can't do more than five. That's too much. <laughs> okay. Okay, so three pupusas de revueltas. Yes, yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, that concludes our questions for today. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I but love with you 
you. It was fun. I know. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to say to the first gen community that's listening? Mm. I would say don't be afraid in the sense of in anything in life, whether it's therapy, whether it's getting a job. Um, I know for me, when I started my corporate career, the fear that I had was networking and going to these events, feeling out of place, feeling like you connect more with the cleaning people than with your coworkers was so real. But then when I look back, I'm like, man, like, thankfully, I've been able to make it this far. But I was like, if you weren't afraid and you you realize that you deserve to be there, then you probably could have gone a lot farther. So mm-hmm. I think um don't be afraid. And I know sometimes it feels like you're out of place, but you're meant to be there. So don't feel out of place. Mm, yes, yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie, for being on the podcast, for your time and for sharing. I think, you know, we talked about a lot of important things and it's always so good for people to hear other people that, yeah. you know, their story, what they're going through and also like how they dealt with it, you know, and to also not fear that process because yeah. that's like, it's a hard process, but the reward is you feel like a superhero, you have your voice and you become a little bit more fearless, right? Yeah. In your in your journey. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, please share it with your amigas, amigos, amigues. <laughs> and remember, first gen, I love you. I love me. And I can't wait for you to love yourself. Bye. Bye. <laughs>